And let us ask for his help and his blessing as we come around his word this morning. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come humbly and reverently again before thee, and we thank thee that we can sing the story, and we can tell the story of Jesus the mighty to save, and how that he was despised and rejected of men, and yet he endured that and so much more to save us from our sins. Though our Heavenly Fathers, we come to consider thy word now. We ask and pray for help to be given to each one, those sitting in the pews, those watching online, and the preacher. Lord, we all need thy help. Close us in now with thyself, we pray. Take away all distracting thoughts. Take away any tiredness which we may have. Help us to be focused upon what, Lord, thou would have to say to us through thy word. We pray that God the Holy Spirit would come and give help to the preacher and to the hearer alike. Empty me of self and sin. Fill me with God the Holy Spirit. Give me the help and the assistance I need, dear Heavenly Father, to bring thy word this morning. For it is in Jesus' precious and Jesus' worthy name. I do ask and I pray all these things. Amen. Amen. Psalm 78 this morning, and as I was thinking of this meeting, um, we had our own week of prayer there in the John Knox just uh, previous week. Not the week that has passed, but the previous week. And I was thinking of, you know, things to pray about um, on each specific night of our prayer time. And of course, the children's work and the youth work is a very important aspect of any church. And certainly we uh, focused upon that matter on one of our nights of prayer. And that's why I read, we read together from Psalm 78 this morning, because we have a very uh, important and very practical lessons that the psalmist Asaph gives to not only the people of his day, but also for us here today. And as I was thinking about this meeting and this message, I thought about the old wartime poster. I'm sure you're very familiar with it, uh, of General Kitchener from the First World War, where there's a picture of a man's face with a big funny mustache and those big words in bold, your country needs you. And there's a big finger pointing at you who look at the poster. And of course, that was a poster used to recruit young men into the British Army at that time of 1914 to fight against the Central Powers. And Lord Kitchener being the, the man in control of the, or the, he was actually the British Secretary of State for War at that time, and he was wanting to recruit young men to fight for King and for country. And certainly as we think about what we've read in Psalm 78 this morning, and as we look out onto our world and even this province, and for you here in Clocker Valley, to look out into this district where the Lord has placed you to be a witness, because your country, your district needs you, not just as a congregation as a whole, but as individuals who are believers. And so for a few moments this morning, I want us to think about instructing the next generation. That's what I want to think about in our message today. If I was to give it a title, it would be this, Our Duty 
to the next generation, our duty to the next generation. Because we as a, a church body, we have to keep looking forward and planning ahead and seeking to continue to reach out to the rising generation. And certainly that is something I have noted while these, this past number of months in Belfast, the number of young people who are unchurched and unreached with the things of God. There's no Christian influence in their home, and so it's up to us to go to them, to take the gospel to them, to invite them into the children's meetings, the Sunday school, and to get them under the sound of the gospel. So I pray that this will be an encouraging message to you who are engaged in youth work and children's work, and even a challenge to all of our hearts as believers. Because though we may be saved this morning, we have to have a burden for others to be reached with the gospel. And the reason we see so much sin and wickedness in our land today is because people have not been taught the word of God. People have rejected the word of God. And we know that it is the gospel that works. It is the only thing that this nation that this district needs is the gospel. So as we think of instructing the next generation, I want you to notice with me, first of all, this morning, the call to instruct. There is a call here given by the psalmist. If you look with me to verse number one of Psalm 78, he says, Give ear, O my people, to my law. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old which we have heard and known, and our fathers have told us. As we think of this call to instruct, we see here the very call itself, because Asaph the psalmist, he was as a prophet here, and he was commanding the people, give ear, O my people, to my law. Now, Asaph is not, uh, he hasn't come up with his own law. He hasn't thought up something in and of himself to teach the people, but he is, as the prophet, as the man of God, he is giving unto the people the law which he is already following himself, and that is the word of God. He wants the people to hearken to what he has to say. And as we note there the title of this psalm, that word maskil there, it really means uh, to be instructive. And so, we, we have here from the very title of this psalm that Asaph, he is looking to instruct his hearers. And of course, we could say there that the man of God, the prophet of God, he's not to bring his own word. He's not to bring his own imaginations. He's not to bring the philosophies of men, but he is to bring the word of God. That's why the pulpit here is in the center of the meeting house, because it is the word of God that is central in our worship. The Word of God is not to be sidelined, but it is to be our instructor. It is to be our teacher. And here Asaph, the prophet, he calls the people to listen. Give ear, O my people, to my law. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. And that's not just uh, listening faintly, but that is making the effort to listen to what he has to say. And it's very important that we do that whenever we are under the sound of God's Word. It's very easy to switch off, I know. And that's why we need the help of the Spirit to 
to focus upon what God would have to say to us through his word. This was the language of a religious leader. And Asaph being a, a prophet, he was under the inspiration of God, the Holy Spirit here. And what he was, was he doing? He was calling his fellow countrymen to listen to the word which was his law. There's not only here the call itself, but there is as well the content of this instruction. Because he says here, give ear, O my people, to my law. Now that word law there in the original Hebrew is the word Torah. And that word Torah, it can refer to the first five books of the Bible, from Genesis to Deuteronomy, which were authored by Moses. And here, though he may not have had a complete word of God, a complete Bible like we have now, yet what he had was sufficient for him to teach the people, for him to uh, command the people to listen to what he would have to say from the Word of God. You know, the Lord Jesus Christ, he said in Matthew chapter 4 and the verse number 4, of course, he said this at the time of his temptation. He said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. And you and I as believers, we are to be not just hearers of the Word, but you and I are to be doers of the Word of God. And we will only be hearers and doers of the Word of God if we're taking the time to read the Word of God, to pray over it, and even like you are here under the sound of God's Word this morning. Because Asaph says here, even if we look at the verse there, number three, he says there, which we have heard and have known and our fathers have told us. Again, this was not something which he had schemed up himself, but it was what had been passed down from generation to generation. And while many in society would like to do away with the Word of God, while many churches have watered down the gospel and the, the preaching and teaching of God's Word, thank God today we're in a place that believes in the Word of God a church that was established for the preaching of the Word of God, to preach it and not to be afraid of the opinions of men. Even though it's not what society wants, it's what society needs. And society is in such a mess today because people have failed to give heed to what God has to say in His Word. Paul tells us in Ephesians 6 verse 19, he says, as, And as for me, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. Paul, he didn't go and preach what he thought people needed to hear. He went and preached the gospel. Matthew tells us in Matthew 5, verse 2 of the Savior, it says, And he opened his mouth and taught them, taught them the word of God. The incarnate Word of God came with the written Word of God and told his hearers what God had revealed unto them. Of course, he was preaching from the Old Testament, like we are here this morning, looking at what God has to say from the Old Testament. As we see, Asaph here, he was a prophet, and a prophet was someone who preached and declared, thus and thus saith the Lord. And that's certainly what the Savior did when he came because he is the great prophet, as well as being 
our prophet, priest, and king. He is the great prophet who came and heralded forth the word of God. If you turn over there with me to Matthew chapter 13, because Psalm number 78 verse 2 finds itself in Matthew chapter 13. Again, it is our Savior speaking here, and he says in Matthew chapter 13, let us read there verses 34 and verses 35. And there Jesus says, All these things spake Jesus unto the multitude in parables, and without a parable spake he not unto them, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet, saying, I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things which have been kept in secret from the foundation of the world. And there we see the Savior quoting from the Old Testament himself to back up what he was saying. And though what we read here in verse number 2 of Psalm 78, where he says, I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old. What he's really saying there is those things which were hidden, maybe not under, easily understood. And certainly when the Savior came, he had to explain sometimes his parables. Whenever the disciples asked him, what did that particular parable actually, actually mean? Now, the original word here for uh, dark sayings could be translated as riddle or a proverb, and certainly that is what the Savior was speaking, what Asaph was speaking here as well. We think of the Savior's ministry. You know, there was times where he was asked hard questions. The Pharisees or the Sadducees, they sought to try to trip him up, but yet he was well able to answer them back even throwing a question back at them, which they in them themselves could not even answer. But as we think of the uh, instruction here and the call to instruct, there is a continuation in this instruction because he says here in verse number 3 of Psalm 78, which we have heard and known and our fathers have told us. Certainly as the younger generation would grow up and as another generation would be further removed from actually experiencing what their forefathers had experienced, the younger generation had to be told what God had done for their forefathers. Of course, whenever we think of this denomination, we think of those who stood at the very start for the Word of God and as they have passed into glory, went home to their eternal reward. The story is told of how this work came into being and why this work came into being. And even the great cost that it cost our forefathers to take their stand for Christ and to separate from apostate churches. It wasn't easy. And it's something which we can all too readily forget about. That it is... It takes a real man or woman of God to, to leave their church where the gospel is not being preached and to come to a place that many at that time mocked at and scorned at because they thought they were, they were silly and stupid for what they were doing. And you know, if the young people aren't told, well, then that knowledge will be lost. And... We see 
in society today, whenever children are not, not brought up under the sound of the gospel, they have no knowledge of the very, even most basic teachings of Scripture. You go into schools and you ask them different questions and they, they haven't the foggiest of ideas what you're talking about. Why? Because that link with a Christian influence has been lost. And I've seen that firsthand in the city. I don't know what it's like in the countryside, but I'm sure that's true in some cases there as well. There's a rising generation of young people of older people that know not the Lord Jesus Christ. And we as believers were, were to seek to reach out and to get the gospel to their ears. The Bible tells us a little child shall lead them. And it's amazing how a little child can remember the words of a, a chorus or a memory verse. And there's no telling how the Lord can use that in a darkened home where there's no other Christian or spiritual influence for good. And so there is here this call to instruct. There is secondly here as well the resolution to instruct because Asaph says here from verses 4 to 6, he says, We will not hide them from their children, showing to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and his strength and his wonderful works that he hath done. For he, hath, for he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel which he commanded our fathers that they should make them known to their children, that the generation to come might know them, even the children which should be born, who should arise and declare them to their children. You even think of the children of Israel. After they had been in bondage in Egypt for many years, and as the Lord graciously led them out of Egypt and brought them to the Red Sea and parted the waters for them and how they were able to cross on dry land and how the Lord brought them through the wilderness journeys right to the verge of Jordan. And even then, the Lord was able to bring them right across Jordan into the promised land. You see, those younger generations would have known nothing about that unless their forefathers, the older generation, had told them of what God had done. We hear of what God has done in our province and generations gone past, how God has moved. And certainly that places a desire within our hearts that we in this day and generation would see God move, because that's what we need. This land needs a move of God, the Holy Spirit. It doesn't need more money. It doesn't need better policies. It doesn't need uh, the wisdom of men. It needs a move of the Holy Spirit. And you and I, we should be praying for that and seeking, as we see here, this resolution that Asaph was giving to the people to tell the next generation because God had commanded them there, verse number five there it says, which he commanded our fathers that they should make them known to their children. And whenever the children of Israel crossed over Jordan, they were told to take up 12 stones from the Jordan River, and to place them at Gilgal where they, first, where they set up their first camp. And of course, they, it was really an object lesson to, to tell the children that God had been faithful and God had brought his people out of Egypt as he said he would. And those 12 stones representing the 12 tribes of Israel were a memorial to what God has done. 
course, we have memorials right across our province to remember those who paid the ultimate sacrifice for our freedoms. We have headstones to remember our loved ones who have gone before us. Because if we have no recollection of them, we'll forget about them. And that is why the generation needs to be told. Notice here in this resolution, he says that that we will not hide them from them. In other words, there's nothing was going to be admitted. Everything was going to be told to them faithfully so that they would know what God had done. But also how that the people had failed God, how the people had turned away from God, how the people had questioned God and even doubted God, but yet God in his faithfulness brought his people out. And you and I as believers, we can look back, no matter how many years we're saved, we can look back and thank God for his faithfulness to each and every one of us. And we can say with the hymn writer, to God be the glory, great things he hath done. Of course, we don't live in the past, but we look back in the past and we thank God for it. But we look forward with the hope and the anticipation and the expectation that God will once again move. Why? Because we seek to instruct the younger generation and to reach out to others who know not Jesus Christ, to get them under the sound of the gospel, that they too will be saved and that will faithfully declare unto them the word of God. Because there's many places today and they don't preach about sin. I was at a funeral just on Monday past there. And the preacher had every opportunity to point his congregation that day to that funeral service to Jesus Christ, but he missed it. The reading was from Luke chapter 1, where Mary speaks of God being her Savior. And yet that congregation was not told why she called God her Savior, why the Savior came how that you and I, we need the Savior. And those people went away that day not knowing of their need or not being told of their need of God's salvation. That's the generation in which we live in. There's men and they only want to tickle the ears of their congregation. They don't want to tell people their need of salvation, the need of their sins to be forgiven because they're sinners and they're on the road to hell. Is that you this morning? Are you saved this morning? My friend, you need to be saved. And that's why this church was brought into being, to warn men and women to flee from the wrath to come and to get right with God. You see, there was nothing omitted from this instruction. The older generation, they weren't to hide, they weren't to conceal from the generation rising up. They weren't to hide anything from them, but to tell them truthfully and faithfully what God had done. You know, as we look back over history, there's many things that has happened which are not good, but we can't airbrush over those things, but we must learn from those things, because if we fail to learn from the past, well, then we will make the same mistakes in the future, and we see all the confusion and all the sins which are abounding today, it is because man has failed to learn from history, that God judges sin And people think that they can live in sin without any thought of repercussion or judgment, but yet payday is coming. And this nation needs to 
realize that God has been offended by the sins of this nation. But we pray that in wrath God would remember mercy because we serve a merciful God today. Notice here as well the details of the instruction because there was to be a showing. And that word showing there, it means to record or to recount. It can even mean to celebrate. And certainly we can celebrate the goodness of God to us. The Jews, they were to celebrate how that God had delivered them from the hand of Pharaoh. And as I said, how he mercifully and graciously brought them through the Red Sea, the wilderness, the Jordan, right to the promised land. And this generation growing up today, it needs the gospel. And it must be shared with them faithfully. And as we think about the gospel, the fact that God has a people whom he's going to save, that that people needs to be saved, and that is that they will be brought the word of God, that the Spirit of God will take the word of God and convict them of their sin, and they would call out upon the Lord for salvation, that the sinner needs to be reconciled to God, that God's justice needs to be satisfied, and it has been satisfied by what Christ has done for us, that you and I would be justified, that we would be right in the sight of God, and that we would be adopted into his family. And on the day by day that we live for God, that we would be sanctified, we would be set apart for God by the working of the Spirit in our lives. You know, he speaks here of God's wonderful works, and that's why we sang that hymn a few moments ago, wonderful, wonderful word of the Lord. We could say wonderful works of the Lord as well, because whenever you think of God saving a sinner, it's wonderful. And that's the greatest miracle that any one of us could ever see is a sinner coming to Jesus Christ and being born again by his Spirit. You see, the Lord, he had established a testimony in Jacob. He says here, verse 5, and he had appointed a law in Israel. You see, Jacob, though he deceived Esau, his older brother, from the birthright, yet God blessed Jacob, and God had continued his covenant promise from Abraham right through that lineage. And there Jacob, he was to be an example of godliness to his pagan neighbors. You and I as believers, we are to be that example for Christ today. We're to be living for him. We're to be seeking to tell others about him. Now, of course, we're not all preachers, but we can all tell what the Lord has done for us. And we can all share testimony and say what the Lord has done for us that he's able to do for others as well. And as we think about the resolution to instruct, you know, there's just a few things I want to share with you here. You know, for us to have this resolve to share the Word of God, there needs to be, first of all, the sharing of the truth. You know, Paul tells us in 2 Timothy 3, verse 16, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. So we share the truth of God's word with those who know not the Lord. And while we share the truth, that will take time. 
It takes time. It takes effort. Ecclesiastes 3.17 says, I sit in mine heart. God shall judge the righteous and the wicked. For there is a time there for every purpose and for every work. Of course, we know life passes by so quickly. And before we know it, if the Lord is gracious and merciful, we get into latter years. Our younger years have passed, and that time and opportunity for getting right with God and getting saved is vastly running out. And that's why I say to you young people today that if you're saved, keep going on with God. But if you're not saved, come to God today through His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and live your life for Him. There's the truth, there is the time, there is also the testing. You know, whenever we seek to reach out to others, our faith will be tested. Perhaps there are those loved ones you have been praying for for years, and they still show no interest or no sign of coming to Christ. We'll keep praying on for them. Though your faith may be tested, as all our faith will be tested at times, keep believing, keep sharing, keep praying. And the last T, trust. Keep trusting in the Lord because salvation is not of man. It's not of a denomination. Salvation, it is of the Lord. And that is why we are required to get the word of God out and let the spirit of the Lord do his work and applying that word and bringing it to the hearts of men and women and young people. But lastly, and very quickly, we've thought there about the resolve to instruct. Notice here the reason. What is the reason why we seek to instruct? Verses 7 and 8 tell us that they might set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments and might not be as their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation that set not their heart aright and whose spirit was not steadfast with God. Very simply and very quickly, why do we want to instruct the next generation that their hope would be in God? And so many young people and older people today, they're living in fear. They have no hope. Why? Because they know not Jesus Christ. Because their hope is not in his finished work at the cross. And that's what we want, the, the rising generation, that their hope, and that word hope there means confidence, that their confidence would be in God, that they would take God at his word and believe what he says, because his word is full of many wonderful promises. So often at times we, we fail to believe what God has said in his word. But let our hope and may the hope of the generation to come, their confidence, may it be in God. Colossians chapter 1 verse 27 tells us, Christ in you, the hope of glory. And if you have Christ, my friend, you have everything and everyone you ever need. Not only that their hope would be in God, but notice there as well that they would keep his commandments. Of course, we see such lawlessness in society today and sin abounding. It is because people have disobeyed and failed to keep God's word. And that word keep there means to guard, to obey his truth. We are to guard or we're to keep the word of God in our hearts so that we would keep ourselves from falling into sin and temptation. Not only that their hope would be in God, that they would keep his commandments, but that their heart would be right before him because it speaks there 
of their fathers who were a stubborn and rebellious generation. You know, that word stubborn there has the thought of backsliding. And that word rebellious means to be disobedient. And certainly we see that today. People living in a a stubborn and a rebellious state against God because their heart is not right with God. And young people need the word of God. Older people need the word of God that they will come to a saving knowledge of the Lord, that their confidence would be in him, that they would obey his word, that their heart would be right with him, their sins are cleansed away, that they're seeking to live for him, that their spirit is steadfast before God. Why? Because it says here that the previous generation, their spirit was not steadfast with God. And that means they didn't maintain a firm trust in God. And that's a challenge to every one of us, that our trust would be firmly in the Lord today and in his word. Just even notice there as well, verse number nine, it says the children of Ephraim being armed and carrying bows turned back in the day of battle. Oh, that you and I as believers today, we would not turn back in the heat of the battle. The temptation is to give up, to, to compromise, to water the message down, but don't. May God give us all resolve not to turn back in the day of battle, but to keep pressing forward, to keep going on with God, that we would have this desire and the ability and the opportunity to keep preaching Christ, to reaching out for Christ, that others will be brought to a saving knowledge of Christ, and that they too who have been told will become one day the tellers. You've been told the gospel, I'm sure, but are you telling it? Are you sharing it today, believer? You may not have the gifts to preach or to, uh, to speak in an open air or something along those lines, but you can share the word of God, sharing a gospel tract, sharing a Bible verse, memory verse with somebody, and getting them under the word of God. Your country needs you, General Kitchener said in his poster. Clocker Valley needs you. Northern Ireland needs us to be a witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. And that those who know not Jesus Christ, children who are not brought up under the sound of the word of God, they need to be reached. So keep reaching out. May God bless the children's work, the Sunday school and the youth fellowship of this congregation in the coming year. And may many young people be brought to a saving knowledge of the Savior. Many older people as well through special evangelism.